Good morning, folks. Happy Monday, January 31st, 2022. It's 5.52 a.m. Eastern Time here in Eastern Tennessee. And, and I, re- like, I realize how ridiculous it is when I say things comparatively to someone like Joe Rogan or Adam Curry or Rachel Maddow or whoever, whatever other media personality, entertainment personality, current events, podcaster that's on the, the airwaves that, that has a huge following in comparison to myself. And that's not at all intentionally what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to use frame of reference and reference points here. You know, this little small upstart pod or startup podcast is available on Spotify, and, and that's a part of, of the Anchor application. Uh, two companies that are in unison together, and I'm, I'm certainly very appreciative of that just to get my thoughts and my ideas out there and kind of share some of this with the world. Well, Joe Rogan put a nine-minute soliloquy. I don't even I don't even know what you would call it. He put that out on Spotify today. And and I understand that he's trying to be respectful of Spotify that's given him, from what we understand, a $100 million contract for exclusivity in, in terms of carrying his podcast content on their, their platform. And I, it really and truly is my intention as much as often to avoid any type of political discussion on this because, A, I am not uncounselable. B, the unfortunate reality of the world is you have one misstep or you say one wrong thing and the wrong person or group of people discover that, they will try to nail you to the wall. That's, that's an unfortunate reality. But that is the world that we live in. It's very dangerous. And then C, if I say something ridiculous or something that is construed as misinformation, then Spotify can certainly take me off of um, Anchor and Spotify itself, and then there I am trying to find someplace else where I can upload my little stream of consciousness rants and what have you. But ultimately, just like Joe Rogan, I don't ever really want to say anything that's crazy or scandalous or construed as misinformation. Because there's enough heavy-handed political jargon and political thought and and argumentative speech that's going on out there in the world. The thing that I would like to say, and I've listened to the man for years now, listened to hundreds of episodes, I don't ever think that Joe Rogan is someone that is intentionally trying to steer the narrative or lead people down the wrong path. I think that he is honestly one of the few people in America specifically that has a large enough platform to move the needle that's trying to have people on his show from all walks of life to have conversation and is that not important at the end of the day is that not some of the foundational principles of the United States of America individuals with different thoughts and different different directives, different, I call it what you want to, different agendas, different narratives, different thoughts, different foundations as human beings, different elements to who they are as a person. And so my only question to, to the talking heads and, and those that are being so loud about all this 
is if you don't have someone like Joe Rogan that exists and then everyone else that is a talking head has to walk on eggshells constantly, do, do we ever have significant discourse? Do we ever have significant dialogue? Do, do we ever have conversation that is beneficial in the, the, grand, the grand picture for anything? And I don't know if, if the answer to any of those questions is yes. And that, that's, that's dangerous. Some people may not call that that word, but it is dangerous. The point of evolving as a country and the point of technology advancing, the point of everything that we watch, everything that we have viewed, everything that we have been through as a military power, everything that we have been through with racial politics and culture and slavery and segregation and integration and religious freedoms and women's rights, women's lib, voting rights, everything that has existed in this world in the last, let's just say 300 years, it has now culminated in a moment where thought is dangerous, differing opinions are dangerous, and I just don't know in terms of social productivity what the answer is anymore. I don't go out of my way to harm people on a daily basis. I try to do my job to the best of my ability and then go home to my family and repeat. And I think most people are like that. I really and truly think the majority of, of people in America are like that. They're doing the best they can to survive and to do their job well and to make as much money for themselves and for them for their family as they can. And then when they finish up with work, whatever their occupation may be, or multiple occupations, because there are a great many people out there that are struggling to pay bills and survive, they come home and they spend time with their family and, they lo and their loved ones, or they, they come home and they, they rest. And so again, I don't know an alternative to anything that exists in today's politi political landscape. I'm thankful to live in a country where black people, white people, Latino people, Asian people, and all of the other mixture of people that we have can live here in a democratic nation and have opportunities to create success for themselves and for their families. Are there a lot of things that need improvement? Are there a lot of things that we need to work on collectively? Absolutely. But if you can't have a conversation about these things without having a set of parameters and a set of guidelines and rules placed before you in which to have that conversation, and if you find yourself straying from any of those bullet points and the conversation is not only null and void, but it's considered scandalous, controversial, cancelable, which I'm not even sure if that's a word, then how are we ever going to continue to grow and get anything done? So I, I, I really enjoy Joe Rogan's podcast, and I've stated that a dozen times, and I will continue to listen to him, and it's unfortunate that, that Neil Young and Jody Mitchell feel the way that they, excuse me, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know if it's Jody Mitchell or Joni Mitchell, I'm not a very musically cultured individual outside of Fleetwood Mac, Creedence Clearwater, and Corn. it's a lot of alliteration, <clears throat> excuse me. But at least those people 
believe in something vehemently enough that that's the stand that they choose to take. I just wish that it wasn't a stand that they that they have chosen to take. COVID has really, really polarized a politically correct world that was already on the verge of madness. And so the last two years, we've just been pushed right off the cliff. And if, if, I, if I put this aside now, which I will, because really and truly it's never my intent to intentionally go down these rabbit holes because everyone needs escape from all these heavy-handed topics anyways until they're pushed to a point to where they have to react one way or the other. It's an unfortunate reality that everything in our life and in our culture right now is has been politicized and is an opportunity for anyone to have a political or religious what-have-you argument. I think that's a very unfortunate reality. I don't know how we come back from that. I, I don't know how we we all collectively meet in the middle. But I, I hope and I pray that as a country and as individuals that if COVID can ever be something that's under control or more manageable, maybe our brains and our feelings and our passions will be something that learn to breathe again in the coming years. That is, that's my hope and my prayer. But we'll, we'll put a bow on that. And then I just wanted to revisit Joe Burrow. Because that's what sports are for. To help you escape the first 10 minutes of what I just talked about. And to help us all escape everything that's in the world that seems so crazy. That is crazy. And when you have opportunities to watch games, um, just like the Bills and the Chiefs a week ago, which I didn't watch the first down because I'm old and I go to bed early, that was a heck of a missed opportunity. It was pretty amazing to watch Joe Burrow in the second half of that game last night. And Joe Burrow's someone that, that myself and my circle of friends are very familiar with. As I stated last night, because of all the, the magic that he brought to LSU in a two-year span of time, uh, arguably the greatest college quarterback of all time, certainly the greatest quarterback that LSU will probably ever have come through their program. Uh, there's just something, and of course this is a Joe Burrow love fest, but there's just something about people that you come into contact with that are great leaders when they have charisma, they have whatever in the world that quote it end quote factor is. They just control the room. They control the, uh, you know, a room of, of male adults that are, that are all high ego, high testosterone, super athletes. And he did the same thing at LSU and he's doing it now with the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's really fascinating. It's fascinating, but it's something, it's also something to be admired, excuse me, admired and something to be appreciated. Because he, he doesn't have a laser rocket arm 
and he's not Lamar Jackson in terms of sheer athletic speed but he has a good combination of skill sets and then it comes back to that it factor whatever it is Joe Burrow is probably the most amazing athlete that I've ever seen at LSU and, and I'm not quite old enough and I didn't pay attention when Shaquille O'Neal and Chris Jackson, now Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, were playing at, L- at LSU. So I'm sure if I had really seen and paid attention to Shaq in his heyday, I would have a different opinion of that. Uh, but, I mean, there's been different transcendent athletes that I do remember from my ta- time frame when I was really uh, playing, excuse me, paying attention to LSU sports. Uh, Herb Tyler that helped us beat Florida back when my, my father was still living, when, when Steve Spurrier was there, which was something we never thought would happen because Florida in those days was with Air Spurrier was, looked completely unbeatable by almost anyone that they played on the field. We had Kevin Falk. Uh, we had Gabe Northern, a, a monstrous defensive end. There was Kyle Williams, uh, Tommy Banks, trying to think of some of the the super athletes. You had Russell Shepard there. You had Terrence Tolliver. You had all of the amazing defensive backs that have been there. Patrick Peterson, Therold Simon, obviously the Honey Badger, Tyran Matthew, Ryan Clark in that time frame when everyone was there, Jacob Hester, and then the the linebackers, Kelvin Shepard, Devin White, Kevin Minter. The list goes on and on and on. And then the baseball team as well has had multiple national championships. There's been some amazing players that have come through that program. And then basketball-wise, I'll never forget Stromile Swift and Tyrus Thomas. Glenn Big Baby Davis. I guess I'm just doing a Wikipedia page of notable LSU athletes at this point. But out of all those amazing athletes and all the amazing moments that they had with the LSU sports programs, all the great memories that they created, the national championships that they brought to the university, the 2019 season is unlike anything that I've ever been a part of as a sports fan. I took the Tuesday off that was the morning after the national championship game because I knew that I would probably have a few too many cold pops and that the emotional and cathartic release, if LSU did what I thought they they were going to do, was really going to be something that I just wanted to savor into the night. And beating Alabama earlier that year uh, against Tua and those dynamic receivers. It's just an amazing thing to be a part of a sports team like that. And within all the context of this small episode and the, the heaviness of everything that exists in the world now and trying to put a bow on all of this, trying to contextualize things and make things make sense, I would just say to people... If you're ever in the midst of a season like that, if, you, if you're ever following a team that can put multiple years together, 
Obviously, New England Patriot fans know what I'm talking about. Just really try to keep it in the front of your mind to be thankful and to cherish that. I bought a DVD of the national championship game. I still have I still have podcasts that are saved on my iPhone from that season. And if I ever if I can ever find some type of anthology video out there that maybe covers that season, I'll certainly purchase that too. I've got countless LSU hats and a national championship hoodie. I've got my my LSU, my purple LSU silicone wedding ring. And I have a lot of Saints merchandise items too, but but LSU is a part of who I am as a person, as ridiculous as that may sound to some people. But that's the way that I'll cap this small conversation off because it is important to think about this. Tribalism doesn't have to be political and and tribalism doesn't have to be something that ends up with the other person either being dead, God forbid, or people being ostracized, fingers being pointed, people being yelled at, people being isolated and pulled from the pack and made to feel less than. Tribalism, while in today's current cultural society, is an awful thing. When viewed from the prism of sports, it's an amazing thing. Arrowhead, yesterday, and the Kansas City Chief fans. What an imposing place to, to, to play. They showed up and they showed out. That is a great fan base. I'm sure Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and that entire team are completely thankful to be able to to play for such amazing fans. The same thing with the Buffalo Bills Mafia. And these are two stadiums that are open air. And by the time the playoffs come around, if those teams are in those playoffs, it is frigid outside. So you really have to find a level of dedication within your tribe is a member of that fan base. And so tribalism is a word that we hear all the time. Used in every context and every conversation now. And it has such a negative connotation to it and that's unfortunate. But the only thing that I would say is that within the world of sports It's never been more wonderful to be a part of a tribe. I'm thankful to be an LSU fan. I'm thankful to be a New Orleans Saints fan. And on February the 13th, I'm very thankful to be a fan of Joe Burrow. You folks have a good day and a good Monday, and we'll talk to you soon.